I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Our guest this week on Thriving Matters podcast is totally sensational and you are going to be stoked. (laughs) Cherie Stokes is a contemporary Aboriginal artist. And Cherie, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm more better, better. This is a great day when I get to talk to my my podcast guests. You know, Cherie, um, thriving in life and work isn't always easy. It might look glamorous, but some days are tougher than others. And I know throughout our lifetimes, Uh, we have many ups and downs and it's how we manage those ups and downs, how we survive in those, how we thrive in those that's even more important. So I know that you're based in Trundle, which is a town in New South Wales in Australia, uh, one of our states, between Condobolin and Parks and Dubbo Dubbo area. So it's a great big welcome from Sydney. Uh, so, So tell me a little bit about what helped you bounce out of bed this morning. Oh, um, well, I don't technically bounce at the moment because I still sleep on a mattress on the floor. It's a bit hard to bounce, it's a bit hard to bounce up. But no, I, I made a decision oh, maybe at the start of 2019. I made a decision that um, I was just going to choose to be happy every day, regardless of what happened in my life. Yeah. Um, and with all the opportunities that have happened since then, um, you know, I focus on all, all of that. Um, I walk around and I smile at everybody. And when people say, how are, how am I? It's, it's, I don't even just go good. I go wonderful or great or fantastic. Um, when people say, um, you know, have a good day. My answer is I always do. Um, and it, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop those bad things happening, but what it has done is completely sorry it's completely changed the way I deal with things so I have a history in my life for a big part of my life of severe depression there have been times where I have tried to you know take my own life etc and I I I refused medication because of how bad it was for all lots of years Um, and then I finally um, had a doctor explain things were a bit different now and put me on to some and it gave me a, the ability to step back a little bit but even then everyone including me thought I'd be on a what they call a maintenance dose forever and I, ca- had, I came off it when I made a move and a doctor the new doctors nobody would put me in to renew the prescription even though it was not good to just cut cut those, those, you had to wean on and off them sort of thing, right? You can't Mm. just cut straight off them. So I, knowing that I was running out, I basically started to wean myself, I suppose, and I've never been back on them since. And what I've discovered is, the way I look at it is, depression is a bit like being an alcoholic. You never lose the ability 
to go back there, but it's a choice. It's it's a choice, and there've been different times. Like when the when the depression gets really bad, my secondary thing is anxiety. Mm-hmm. So for some people, it's around the other way, but for me, it was that way. And so I've suffered from both at times. And what I've found is that it really is, it really is a choice that we make about what we allow in our head. So I just I don't. Um, I, I just I know it sounds simple, <laughs> but I. I just make my choices and I choose to get up happy every day and I choose to move forward and I choose, if somebody gives me a problem um, business-wise, I, I, I just either plow through it or find a way around it. I refuse to have people tell me I can't do something anymore. Uh-huh. Um, I've fought against that all my life. but and, and these days, yes, I used to think it was really good to be a survivor. You know, I was a survivor of abuse when I was a child. I was a survivor of my, my childhood was quite dysfunctional. I was a survivor of a, a you know, DV relationship. And, and I was, a, and that, it hit me one day, I'm tired of being a survivor. I don't want to survive my life. I want to live my life. So when you talked about thriving, mm. that's the difference these days. These days, that is what I do. I thrive. I choose to thrive. Um, so, yeah, and I want to teach all these other people how to do that. I want to inspire other women, um, especially older women, because I'm going to be 60 in a few weeks. Um, I want to, and this journey started when I was about 55. So this actual journey I'm on now didn't yeah. start until I was 55 years old. And I, I basically got rid of most of my belongings, moved in with a friend for a few months, um, up the other end of the state, um, spent those months painting, got in my car, packed all my stuff in, my art, my painting, my supplies, and drove 3,000 kilometres to Uluru, spent a month there being resident artist, and then came home, came back home, I guess, travelling the same distance. So I drove myself, I sat, you know, I slept outside of my car on a stretcher with my swag every night under the stars. Um, and, And I made a choice that if the universe was giving me this opportunity um, to be able to build my art and my profile, that I had to take advantage of it. And that's when I really came out of my shell because before that I was quite mild. Um, <laughs> put it that way. Um, what with, a- with strangers and people I didn't know, I was quite mild. I didn't like to look at people and I didn't like to, if people spoke to me, I answered them. But I didn't approach them first. I found it very difficult to walk into groups. And I still find it hard to put myself into group situations. Um, but if I make a choice to be there, then I make a choice to participate. Um, oh. And I, I learned, okay. yeah, I learned to just approach people first and smile and say hello. And, and, and it just, it changed my life. And the feedback I got from staff and that at Uluru was that it changed theirs. Um, so you know, a small the, foot forward with a, in a, choosing to, to put your foot forward. It's a great metaphor, isn't it? It's a great, oh, look, fantastic it's metaphor. Just, it really journey. is. And people who are struggling with depression and things, I, I mean, I've been there. I know that when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to hear people say things that are easy. But this is easy. It really is the simplest thing. Well, no, it's not easy. It's simple 
to change your thoughts, to make a choice how you're going to be every day and not let other people, you know, control your feelings, etc. Um, we are responsible for our own feelings. Nobody else makes me do anything. Nobody else makes me feel a certain way. I choose to allow some people to, to do that. And these days I choose to own my own feelings and not have other people control me at all. I'm very funny about oh. that. Um, well, I suspect your journey isn't over, Cherie. <laughs> oh, it's it's just beginning. Things I are suspect. just things are just whatever. Oh. I mean, um, yeah, I, I've just the, the I just this is not <laughs> this is not me yet. What I see in my head for what I want before I go anywhere. Oh is um, a lot more than this. And and the fact, I think, what I found is I've got success because, um, and I do believe my ancestors guide this journey. Um, I believe they're the reason I started it. And so now that I'm turning it around and, and created a program to give back to other Aboriginal artists, um, I see more success happening. And um, I think it's because they're rewarding me because I'm doing what they wanted for me. Um, so sorry for the ums. That's really bad. No, no. I, and she's I'm, about to go um again. <laughs> I, well, I think the ums give you a chance to make listen to what you've just said and then progress the thought. So don't you worry about that. I, uh, my, I my English teachers from primary would be dying right now. Um, yeah, I was I was taught very, very, very good English as a child <laughs> from my primary school at Cooler Central School, by the way, people. There you go. Um, oh, and there our, I go our listeners are getting a great um, history of life growing up um, in with an Indigenous background, yes? Um, and so tell me, I know you're going to be 60 uh, coming up very soon. So we're going to wish you a very, very happy sixth decade, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's when I think about it, I had one of those a uh, couple of years ago. So, um, but I just think, you know, these decades, um, it's all possible no matter what. And you've described a, a situation or um, environment that you've been in that some would say is not you, you're not able to thrive in, right? Some would some people would say that, but the choices you are you've made are now saying actually they're helping me with the next choices. So tell us a little bit about what your great news is that you've just found out because I am <laughs> feeling so very privileged that you shared that with me um, today. So let's okay. Let's so my dad, my dad was stolen generation and his mum was, uh, and we were raised up. So my mum was white and we were raised up away from my father's family that he did know. He was about seven or eight when he was taken, him and his brother. They, he was, it was 15 years before he found his family again. He never really connected with any in his family apart from the younger two siblings. Um, he was an alcoholic by the time he was 16. He, you know, the worst conditions. He was put out on a property and treated worse than the animals on the property. It was just, it was really, really bad. And he has told us very little because it impacted him so badly. Um, he grew up. He grew up learning, as I say, he was an alcoholic by the time he was 16 and he grew up with violence. And, and so 
that's how he carried on through most of his life. We, we started looking quite a few years back. Now my brother does, he's the genius behind all of the family stuff. When I started this journey, I started to get, so most of my life, I've always acknowledged my Aboriginality. We were teenagers when we realised we saw pictures of cousins and that they were like my hat. <laughs> I've got first cousins up in Arnhem Land who just, yeah, they're black as. And we started to put, you know, things together and, and realise, hang on a minute, you know, this is what the family is. And, but it's still, it's still sort of just sat there. So I've always acknowledged my Aboriginality. I uh, connected with communities when I was able to. I've always tried to learn as much about the law, et cetera, that I could. When this journey started, so for most of my life, I was too black for most white fellas. You know, it just, they, they kept trying to pinpoint it and say, well, you can't have much in you and you can't this and you can't, you know, like trying to take it away from me. And then I started this art journey and suddenly I wasn't black enough. You know, um, I found that, yeah, I found that, Find that very ironic uh you know for most of my life I'm too black and then then I'm not black enough so so I I had a bit of um I can't think of the word I want but people from both sides so there are some Aboriginal people as well who go wow well we've grown up really black in our communities we have good knowledge of who we are uh who are you you better prove it you're not you know, really and how do you how do you prove things when there's no paper trail? How do you prove it when you can't get that back up? I mean, the fact that there is such a lack of a paper trail straight away tells you it is because who were the only people that weren't treated as human and had no records? Okay, were the Aboriginal people. So if you reach a point in your uh, ancestry, and it was very close for us where suddenly there's no paperwork, of course, that's going to lead you down that path as well. But for us, yeah, I, everywhere I go, I mention names and I find people, um, I find relations, it's really cool. But we, we got to a point, I reached two points. So the first point was last year after opening the gallery, I had a white fella come into this gallery, really praise my art, say how wonderful it was, but then start to compare me to a Frisian cow and basically tell me that I wasn't Aboriginal because, you know, it's all, yeah. And I kept saying to him, don't look at my colour. It takes two generations for our colour to be bred out. There's no other way to put that. Uh, we are the only culture in the world where you can breed our colour out. You can't breed our spirit out. You can't breed out who we are. Um, the connections I've had with, with land have been my whole life. Um, certain aspects of who I am. I look back to when I was a little girl and I've had those abilities the whole time and they are what connect me. Um, so I made a decision after him. He upset me a great deal. I actually ended up asking him very nicely, but I asked him to leave my gallery. Then I, then I decided, you know what? I'm over this. I don't have to defend who I am. I know who I am. Every Aboriginal community that I've been in, including this one here, have always accepted me, have um, acknowledged me as Aboriginal before I've even said anything, because I don't go places and say, this is what I am. 
Mm. Um, well, I do now, I guess. It's part of my business. Um, so, so I thought if somebody has an issue, it's up to them to prove who they think I am. It's not up to me to worry about it. That's their, that's their, you know what they say, everybody's, everybody's opinion of you is their business. And well, I, we can't I felt stop so. That. It's their opinion, isn't it? That's, that's it, it, right? Whether it's, whether it's right or wrong, it's based on their It's not my business. Functions. Not yeah. my business. I'm not taking it on. So then I had also come to a point where I'd accepted that I would probably never walk on land that owned me um, where I belong because all the people with the names to make those connections had died. So they, okay. they'd gone. So my brother had found through my grandmother that we'd gone back to one of the two Brisbane tribes. And it's only just recently that I have discovered um, that he has taken it that step further. And we actually belong to the Cubby Cubby people, um, north, they're, they're northwest of Brisbane. Um, oh. And it's, oh, it is, it's amazing. It's, I've got goosebumps now, straight away. You've just, just given them to me. me. We did um, it at the same time, I'm sure. I've just got, I went, oh, when, when I just, I just gubby gubby. I can't <laughs> wait to walk on my own land. I, I can't, well, not oh. my land. I can't wait to walk on land that, that, that I belong to. I can't wait to meet with people. Now, our family as such has no longer lives in that area. Um, but I have no doubt that I will uh, connect with people because, you know, and I just... For the first time, I'm I will cry now. Yeah. Sixty years old, and for the first time, I belong somewhere. Oh, oh. it's it's your soul. It's your heart Sorry. and your soul. Beautiful. No, no. Um, it's it it really is. It really is. People don't understand why this is so important to us, but it and they don't understand that this is that intergenerational trauma that happens from the stolen generation i wasn't taken my dad did everything he could to yeah. make sure we weren't i was born when that policy was still active and i was six years old by the time we were acknowledged to be human beings so he did everything he did which as a child i hated him for because it kept me from family but that i've learnt, and i forgave him before he died that I've learned he did because it gave us an education. It gave us a better upbringing. It, it you know, it did all these things that benefited um, and that I can now give back and help other people because of. Um, but it's like somebody being adopted and never told and then finding out when their parents die that they're adopted and then not knowing who they belong to. You know, it's, it's the same sort of thing. We need to have a connection to to a past. We need and, to have that connection. So, and oh. usually, part of part of what we say to people is, to, so tell me a bit about where you grew up, where you came from. We all we all like to have a connection. I'm just thinking when you were telling me this, and thank you so much for sharing it. I know um, those listening will just be feeling feeling some just feeling for you I think um because I I had a I had a similar reaction but in a way often what goes before us 
we can look at it as a gift or a burden. And yep. I think that's what you're telling us today. You've cho chosen to look at life, not as the burden, but as the gift yep. and all that goes with it. And you, you're you now able to put that into your magnificent um, creations, your, your, your contemporary art creations that you do, because you're no, no, not just an artist, you're actually a poet and a storyteller and a teacher as well. And what a gift now to be able to go when you get to Gubby Gubby land, when you get to your, your homeland, this will be um, the most amazing experience. And I'm, we're doing this in the middle of another lockdown across the States in, in Australia during the pandemic. But I'm wondering if that the time that this will give you is perhaps the waiting time that's going to make this even more richer when you get there, when you finally get there. And I know oh, you'd, you'd be itching to get there. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you. Soon as I found out, I just I didn't even want to come home. I just wanted to go there. Yeah, um, I, I just yeah. straight away it was important to me. Well, we found, and I'm saying to my brother, so have you been there? Have you been there? And he's going, well, no. And I'm like, but he doesn't feel that need whereas I'm very I am very connected to land and and I I do have that need straight away to um to do that it's just yeah but I I suppose with everything I've got going on in my life right now the ancestors know that I can't afford to be gone up up country <laughs> not yet <laughs> for an indefinite period of time so yeah they're making sure I can still do what I need to do um uh, but yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to be the most amazing trip. And, you know, we, we have, there are two sides to it, I guess. There's a lot of discussions in some of my groups now around people who, when their parents die, they finally find out that there is a connection uh, to the Aboriginal culture and they want to go and they want to find out about it. And there are these other Aboriginal people who've grown up with the knowledge who go, oh, you're just a Johnny come lately. And I know there are some people who claim Aboriginality, whether they have it or not, and it's all about getting a job or getting some sort of money. I'm still waiting to find out where this money comes from because, you know, <laughs> 60 years and I still haven't found out. I, I do everything. So, guys, this gallery, everything, I've done it myself. Um, so not even a grant, couldn't even get a government grant. So, And I don't want one anymore. I, I don't want that connection. I don't want... I made a promise to myself back in 2018 uh, that I wanted to create a business and a life for myself and one to show my children where I was not on any government payment, including a pension. Even though I worked as a teacher for a lot of years, I probably, I've worked in my life, I probably deserve a pension like anyone else. I don't want it. I don't want government to be paying me anything I do not believe the government owes me anything and for me any government payment comes with control and mm -hmm. all of us all of us yep. we need to control our own lives and our own destiny and we need to teach our children about this because we've we've come to a point in our lives where Aboriginal or non-Aboriginal there are multi-generational uh, unemployment people you know, um, I'm not going to say dog bludgers because that's that's even when a person gets to that point where they don't look for work, it's not because they're necessarily a bludger. It's because it's they've got no hope 
of any future and getting any. They've had all of that stripped from them. They've had it passed from their parents, from their grandparents maybe, because that's just how the world sort of began, and like went. Um, the worst thing anybody did for us was give us payments. Um, handouts, handouts are no good for anybody. They take away your dignity, they take away your pride, and they take away your ability to do anything. So without that, you've got to go out and do something, and you know you can. But with that, you think you can't. You know, I, I'm probably not explaining myself well. But anyway, my thing was I had a couple of people go off at me <laughs> and, and get a bit angry when I said, I do not want to depend on a payment. But I'm not questioning anybody else. If you're on a pension and, or, or a payment and you feel you deserve that, you deserve that. But you're it's entitled. You're entitled to to live how you want to live within the be, within your best means, and that's it. Yeah. And and, and some it. people have worked all their life. They're entitled to that pension, mm. and I agree they're entitled to that. Mm. The only thing that concerns me is that when they have that pension, and and I'm sure they'll be the first to agree, they are then controlled. They're controlled by any extra income they can earn. They're controlled by any house they might own. I mean, we look at the governments all the time. They're always trying to get as much back as they can, um, not themselves, of course, but from us. Um, and they're trying to take that away. I think if you've worked all your life and you've bought your own home, et cetera, et cetera, you've paid taxes all your life, you're entitled to get a pension and nobody should be saying, well, I think you should be selling your house first and buying a smaller one. Because, well, we all know, have an opinion on what everybody else should do. We all, right? we all make assumptions on what we think is the truth. <laughs> Cherie, I'm going to say to you, um, your gallery, at the, you're, I know you're, you're setting up and um, it's, it's developing and evolving at the moment. If you looked back on, since 2018 when you made that decision, what are some of the key, maybe one or two things that, really stood out for you in how you set that business up if you if there was somebody listening that really wants or had a dream to do this would there be okay. a couple of things that you'd like to share with them because really this I, is thriving this is this is about this notion of the roller coaster ride and looking I at have I have an absolute trust and belief in what I call the universe so that may be God for people who are Christian and hold that belief that may be God for me it's a universe and tied up with that is my ancestors okay mm -hmm. I have an absolute trust that when you put out there what you want you can have it but part of the responsibility of that and I don't question how that's going to come to me so I actually started this journey at the start of 2016 I was still I still had my youngest daughter at home I was still caring for a grandchild I that was when I had the realisation that I could use my art to make a living. And I started to move along that path. Um, around 2018, I went on to the NICE program and was able to turn it from a hobby, as I was told, into a business. Um, and I've continued. But yes, I guess I've kept my eyes wide open for every possible opportunity. And I've taken it. And sometimes they haven't worked. And sometimes they have. But the way I look at things is, Everything that comes to me is either a lesson or an opportunity. So it's a lesson or a blessing. Um, <laughs> and, and I keep doing that. Now, COVID hit. My life was just taking off with my art after Uluru and COVID hit. 
and I, I had to cancel all my art classes. So I had no base income anymore. Keep in mind that I was not taking a payment from anybody. I had made a decision when I left the NICE program that I was never going back on a payment. And COVID hit and, and Vinny sped me for two months because I had no income whatsoever. Um, so then I started seeing opportunities to be back here in Trundle because I was two hours away, back here in Trundle near my family uh, to have a gallery. So I, I pursued that. I took those opportunities and took the steps that came up to do that. And I ended up in the middle of COVID shutdown in 2020, opening my own gallery. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. And, and here we are now in 2021, all in COVID shutdown again. And I am just about to move into a bigger premises, um, still oh. in the same place, but into a bigger premises and, and expand my gallery. So, you know, what's, what, <laughs> I love it. I love the fact that everybody else is, and I used to feel so bad last year because everyone else was going, COVID is so bad. And I'm thinking, this is great. <laughs> I, first of all, I was forced to stay home and paint. What, what a, a punishment. Oh. <laughs> what a punishment for me that I actually had to just stay home and paint. How bad was that? So, and I think that happened when it did, because when it came time to open my gallery, I had all these artworks to put in it. Oh, there you go. Look at that. I really believe that the universe just, it just keeps working and it keeps giving as long as we keep. But, and gratitude is a, I have to say, gratitude is another big part. I constantly feel blessed. I constantly, part of waking up happy every day is also waking up and feeling blessed for the life that I have. Oh. Um, and always knowing that it doesn't matter what money is coming up, what bill is coming up. I never worry about any of it. I know I'm going to be taken care of and I am. It's, I it's, a, trust. Am. it's, it's a trust, isn't it? It's something now that... It's an absolute trust in somebody else. So I've just been nominated for the Oz Mumpreneur Awards. And yes. one of the ladies that nominated me said that the one thing that hit her right from the start of meeting me was this absolute trust I had to just follow my my dream and follow my path oh my gosh. and know that whatever happened it was I was going to always get through um, oh, Cherie. so it made me think about that and I thought I do I guess I'm like a child I have absolute trust and belief that this is where I'm meant to be that everything that happens is what's meant to happen and yes it's either a lesson or a blessing so you know the lessons come along and I think oh so the universe is testing me out to see if I've learned that lesson. No, I obviously didn't. <laughs> Let's go again. <laughs> so we, we can all hear that you've got a sense of humour about this, but you've also got a contentment, I, I suppose, at, with, with trust and trusting what's going to happen, that, that you will be, um, you trust yourself, but you also trust your, your family of origin and your, your cultural background, really. Oh. It's, mm -hmm. it's connecting, um, yeah, no, I, I just, and, and, and the painting becomes more powerful with the connections, I suppose, but I, yeah, I do. I guess most of my life, I, even as a child, I was picked on and teased because I was very gullible. 
I believe what people told me. And I've had a lot of, as I said, a lot of things have happened to me in my life. I've had people, lots of people break my trust, etc. I refuse to become cynical because the one thing throughout my whole life is I refuse to let other people win. And I understood from an early age that when, when they can make me feel bad, then they win. And when bad people stay in your thoughts and in your feelings and your actions, then they win. And I don't like to let other people win. So it's a case of, yeah. And I reached a point a few years back where I realized that being gullible was one of my biggest positives because it was my gullibility and, and that allowed me to trust the universe and the ancestors. Whereas other people become quite cynical. They question, they, you know, that belief, they just, it's too simple. You know, I get back all the time. Oh, you know, it's just too simple or it's easy for you. Well, no, it wasn't easy. No, I'm, I'm not no. saying any of it was easy, but I made a decision and I followed through with it mm. and I had setbacks and I started again and I just kept going. Um, mm. But it is that, and I refuse to have somebody else make me cynical about anything. I, I really do. I never want to have somebody else drag me down to their level. I really don't. Um, it's the choice we make. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that backs up a whole lot of the, the, the research we have around, um, you know, below, below the line thinking or above the line thinking or being optimistic versus pessimistic or realistic. But it backs up that the, knowing yourself is core to how you are self-aware and how you are aware of others. And then we get the, and the choice that we make. So you've had some major choices to, to make. And it seems to me that uh, that smile has just come on your face because I, <laughs> I see your face while we're doing this. So listeners, the big smile on Cherie's face is about her trust in herself through all adversity. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty big story. And I'd love you to tell everyone where they can find your work, number one, where the best place is, and if they're interested. And I, I'm going to make it part of my journey to actually get out and uh, out to Trundle and uh, to see you. I think it's, it's part of the journey. You're a global leader. You know that, don't you? You are a, an Australian leader within your own right. It may not be a, a big neon sign flashing light that tells everybody but you are a leader within your own family you are a leader within your community and you are a leader across across the globe so I just want to acknowledge that and uh but I want you to tell everyone where they can find your art okay well the first thing you can do is google Cherie Stokes and most of my things will come up but original art by Cherie is my business name and that is across my website my instagram like all my things facebook okay. every everything is um original art by sheree uh and and you can find me yes so www.originalartbysheree.com that's me um oh. instagram so i'm instagram linkedin twitter uh, <laughs> the works facebook <laughs> you know um website uh, yeah, all of that. Well, I've added a couple of the other, I've had accounts for years now with like Twitter and LinkedIn and things and never done anything about it. Twitter is still not my favourite thing to do, but I've got, got them set up so that when I post each day, 
um, I've got ones that will join up, link up with each other. So it posted two instead of one and things like that. And I'll just go through and just chuck them out there. Um, sometimes oh, I comment, beautiful. sometimes I hashtag. And sometimes like this morning, I just put up <laughs> and, and it's there. So, um, but oh. yes. Well, did, listeners, didn't I tell you that you were going to be stoked by this conversation? <laughs> what a what a story of thriving that has not finished for Cherie Stokes. We, we aim to talk to ordinary guys and girls who are doing extraordinary things in their life and work. And we have just had the most amazing uh, story told by you, Cherie, about your life and your attitude to life. Um, and I, I am honoured and I want to thank you for that. So listeners, if you really have enjoyed this conversation, pop on to your favourite podcast app give us a few likes and loves we all need a little bit of a hug especially during yeah. times um pop on to Cherie's website uh original art by Cherie you can see that if you just pop that pop that into google all her socials will come up that's an easy easy find and if you'd like to know more about what I do Carrie Benedette pop on to global leaders thrive or my website Carrie Benedette everything C-A-R-R-I-E-B-N-E-D-T and just watch Cherie's spelling as well. She's C-H-E-R-E-E-S-T-O-K-E-S. -E -E so a little <laughs> different spelling there. But it's been such a pleasure, Cherie. I've got to say, I'll be back in contact with you. I want to know how, how getting to uh, Gubby Gubby um, Homeland is, is for you when you get oh. there. I hope I've said that correctly. Um, I hope I'm saying it correctly. I haven't spoken to anybody from there yet. So, okay. and language is a big thing for me. So, yes. yes. Yeah. So, look, thank you so much. Over to you, thank everybody. You. Don't forget, you are precious and we are in very strange, uncertain times. So, please go gently because your thriving matters. Bye for now. Bye, Cherie. Bye. I'm Carrie Benedette, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. 